Hey there, I'm Sully. Hi, I'm Mike Wazowski. And you're listening to Bro Have You Seen? Here we are back in the studio once again. Yes. Got the mood lights on. We got the table. Yes. You're very far away on the other end of the table there. I am. I am. And uh, I will have to note that both of us are much cooled down since our recent debate about uh, yes. a brighter summer day. <laughs> yeah. I think we're I think we're chill now. We're on good, good ground. Yeah. We've finally reached an uh, amicable relationship once again. Yes. <laughs> but here we are. Back once again for Pixar Project. Uh-huh. Yeah, Pixar Project. It's a little bit different today. We talked about it last week, how we uh, did the math, ran the numbers, <laughs> and uh, might take a while to get all the Pixar movies done, it turns out, so we're going to try and compress some things down, and thus, this yeah. episode was born. Exactly. When you said, when we ran the numbers, the image that popped into my head was the nerdy computer guy from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory Mm. who, like, built a supercomputer to guess where the chocolate bar is going to go or whatever, and the (laughs) computer is, like, really sassy to him and stuff. Uh, I don't remember that, but... Nice. Well, it's it's a nice little throwback to Ah. uh, our 7 from the 70s pick last last month, and uh, speaking of which, next week, we're going to be bringing up 8 from the 80s, so... Yeah, I'm excited. Stick around for that. Uh, but yeah, uh, without further ado, I suppose we could get right into it, unless you wanted some uh, nope. little bit of I'm time good. beforehand. All right, cool. So, coming into their fourth feature, Pixar had set the bar really, really high. Precariously high, and the studio was in a dangerous position. Luckily, their recent acclaim didn't go to their heads, and they pulled yet another rabbit out of their hat. Like those that came before, it has an incredibly creative and immersive world that mirrors ours down to the little details. It also features the rest of Pixar's staple film choices like a wide gamut of humor, profound emotion, and existential human questions. These staples, like most of Pixar's filmography, come about in very natural ways that make sense for the characters and the world. The conflict arises naturally, and it's resolved logically. The animation is still pushing boundaries and makes this world that much more believable. Bro, have you seen Monsters, Inc.? Oh yeah, bro. It was a first watch for me. That's the first time in our Pixar project that I've seen one for the first time. Nice. It was a good experience. I loved it. Yeah, it was really good, actually. Every time I think I'm about to go into a Pixar movie that, oh, this one, I don't remember being as funny Uh as the others, or I don't remember liking as much, it's always good, you know? It's true. Um, They definitely delivered again on the promise of Pixar Studio. Yeah. Yeah, I think so far, I mean, the only real lull was Bugs Life, but that's more of a personal choice for me and, you know, having to do a lot with the animation and things at the time. But uh, this is definitely, you know, a return to form. This is the first, like, um, I guess it's not really the first because Bugs Life was, but I was going to say this is kind of the first step outside of their Toy Story uh, world. Um, but, uh, for me at least it's their first like really successful step outside. Like this is really starting to widen the range of what they can do, uh, with their stories. And it's, you know, like I said, the bar was really high coming into this film. And once again, they blew it out of the park. It's true. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I forgot. Anyways, cool. <laughs> we'll just carry on. Yeah. Forget that happened. It's nice. more of a mental typo. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah. So, you mentioned it was really funny. What were some of the things that made it funny, or maybe some of your favorite bits? Um, there were a lot, actually. I'm trying to remember. A lot of just little one-liners. Uh-huh. Um, I talked about the gamut of humor, because Pixar is really good at blending comedy styles. Like... There's always some moments of slapstick comedy or, you know, physical humor. There's always, you know, some kind of dry, maybe sarcastic humor. And then there's just the really clever wordplay. And like I said, the world that mirrors our own with the little details. Mm -hmm. Um, They go to a restaurant and like the the, the dialogue in that scene is really funny. Um, Silly runs off really quick like, oh, they don't have anything that I want here. Bye. Yeah. Uh, It's just kind of a nice little touch and little things like that that don't really come to mind necessarily, but... Uh, mm, me too. There's a lot of little things. There's references to other movies, um, which I definitely wouldn't have gotten without seeing some of those movies recently. And so we can get to that maybe as we come Sweet. a little bit later. But yeah, what did you like about the humor? What were some bits that you remember enjoying? Yeah, similar to you, I can't... None of them are surfacing very well. I'm having a hard time remembering specifics, but... Just I, I think we were just we watched this together and I think we were just constantly chuckling and laughing out loud. It was just a really good time. Um, the the chemistry between the two characters was really funny. They just kind of provide this interesting uh, uh, juxtaposition, uh, kind of contrast from each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mike's this little cute guy and so is this big hairy scary guy but he's yeah. like really sweet like it's really like his character is really really funny because that's true it's a kind of a uh, interesting juxtaposition yeah they're the perfect foils for each other yeah. too like even down to their like personalities like mike is definitely a little more manic a little more yeah. hyperactive he's very smart and Sully is kind of the muscle he's the scary one you know he's, he's the cool one, yeah he's the one that goes into the doors and uh, but Mike has his role too, which we'll get to a little later when we discuss Monsters University, how mm-hmm. maybe they learned their strengths and their weaknesses and how they kind of used them and were comfortable with who they were. In this movie, you already get that. You know, these two have a chemistry, they have a rhythm, and you could definitely see that just in that opening scene where, you know, scary feet, scary feet, oh, the kids yeah. are awake, and then he yeah. falls down, running it's drills excellent. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I'm a little lost. Again, I mean, it does work really well with the actors that they hired for this movie. I know, like, um, Billy Crystal actually, he auditioned for Buzz in Toy Story, and they turned him down for, um, what is his name, Alan something? Tim Allen? Tim Allen, yes. (laughs) Got the Allen part. Yeah. Uh, Tim Allen... And so, but the Pixar executives said, hey, we're going to put you in another movie later on. Um, and he's just like, yeah, I mean, do whatever is best for the movie, but let me know when you have a good script. And so eventually, I guess, down the road, they created Mike Wazowski based on his comedic talents, his acting talents. And so that was really cool. And you can definitely see, I mean, the two of them, like their voices fit yeah the characters you know like, yeah it's so well crafted especially around yeah especially john goodman i feel like yeah yeah totally he seems like that kind of guy where he's like this big like scary looking guy but he's just like such a teddy bear that's true and that's like totally what Sully it's is definitely it's his really persona funny. yeah and down to like steve buscemi as randall right. boggs 
who's just kind of greasy kinda dude. Like, I mean, yeah. 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 But really good, and he's a good part in this movie. Um, yeah, there's so many characters from, you know, not just the main two, but all of the extras. Um, you mentioned Randy and Boo, of course. Just oh, so yeah. adorable, so yeah. funny. She's the best. Um, you got, like, the... There's the girlfriend of Mike. Celia. Celia. Uh-huh. And then there's the old lady. I can I don't <laughs> the old like do your paperwork lady. Yeah. Always watch. Yes, that lady. It's so probably there's really so bad, many bad so bad. many characters. And, yeah. And they, the creatures feel yeah, unique. Like yeah. the, the creature design is really good. Um that's something we'll talk about a little bit later when we get to Monsters University, but uh-huh. uh I felt like this one they really nailed you know, just it wasn't like they took one monster design and then kind of altered it to make copies with like, oh, this guy's got four eyes, or this guy's got six eyes. You know, like they're mm-hmm. all very unique, and they play into the strengths of what the body type of that exactly monster is or whatever. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, I, I just remembered a funny bit. There's like the slime guy, like the sluggy slime guy. Oh yeah. And he he's in the city and he goes yeah. through the thing and he says, "Oh, great." <laughs> it's a great double yeah. double joke. And it was a great one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got sucked through wow. the subway grate. Yeah, that was Because he's, so like, funny. made of gel, so... Yeah, so, exactly. They didn't just have, like, a typical monster. They had so many intricately crafted yeah. people. I, I mentioned Spore. It's, like, this. Oh, if anyone knows, it's, like, this video <laughs> game. You can, like, make these custom little creatures and yeah. evolve them and stuff. That's and this reminded game. me of it. Yeah, like, true. Because they all have, like, little weird quirks and different stru- body structures and body types <laughs> and, like... It's really fascinating. It's funny that you remembered that random game yeah. from childhood. But yeah, uh, <laughs> there's like a giant dude. There's little tiny guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, Celia is kind of like a Medusa type yeah. character. She's got snakes for hair and just all the different stuff. When you mentioned this, the gel guy who gets sucked in the subway grate, it reminded me of the moment when they're in the actual facility and there's the slug who's mopping the floor. Oh, yeah. He mops one spot, mm-hmm. and then he moves, and then, like, he just left a stain on the yeah, floor. Yeah, and that's the stain his... he was cleaning up earlier. Yeah, like... he's just constantly cleaning up after himself. Uh-huh. It's almost like none of the monsters make a mess. It's just him. Like... Yeah, it's so funny. And they all play together so well. Like, the universe is so fleshed out. You've got, yeah. like, it just feels really real. Because mm-hmm. in real life, you know, there's all different types of people, and they all have their own little quirks. And it's a lot it's easier true. to see in the monster world. So I yeah. think that's kind of an interesting thing. Like, in real life, we kind of mostly all look, like, very similar and have very similar things going on. But all these people are, have really interesting and observable differences that... That's true. And they're all, like, they're in the background. You can see them, like, uh, just an example of that great guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was a great guy. He was a great guy. He was a really good guy. Uh, it's just, it's just kind of these <laughs> this, little moments in the background sometimes. Yeah, of, this like, whole episode is just going to be dumb, great jokes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> beware, listener. Um, <laughs> yeah, and one thing that really struck me this time was the flip, the reversal of roles, I guess. Um, Pixar is kind of famous now for showing us a world that we haven't seen or a side of a world we haven't seen. And this is, it plays on that classic, oh, there's a monster in my closet. Like, yeah. well, where does the monster come from? And it's, the the biggest thing that stood out to me this time was how the monsters are afraid of the children. Yeah. It's the classic, like, oh, there's a spider or a snake, and your parents tell you, well, don't worry, that snake is just as afraid of you as you are of it. And this definitely 
that whole the whole movie is about that really is yeah. just how afraid these monsters are of someone so innocent as a little girl it's true i wonder what audience's reception of it was like little kids like if little kids were okay with this or if they got kind of creeped out because mm. it's such a universal theme for kids like i don't really remember thinking there was monsters like in my closet or in my bed but it's those things where like a shirt looks yeah. like a monster exactly. and it's, they, it kind of plays into that for me and i think there's a couple times in this movie in monsters university where like a monster will go and like hang itself up on a coat rack and like yeah. dude that's totally like I like the closet is open and there's like a dark weird shadow and it looks like something creepy that could be the freaking monster just like hiding it's true and you like, never know because like once they get rid of the door or they power it off then it's, it's just a you closet you never again. know like yeah. it's so interesting because like it poses a question of like what could be happening that we are totally unaware of like it's an alternate dimension yeah dude. it's crazy I mean <laughs> I don't believe that that's true but I think it's interesting to think about it would be and it's fun to see in like this awesome animated movie yeah it would be cool and terrifying i think if that yeah, was the case yeah but, uh yeah it's i mean it, it also kind of flips that side of it like okay the monsters act scary but you know they're kind of desperate there's this power uh struggle not power struggle but <laughs> you know what i mean like there's yeah. uh i'm trying to explain it yeah i go i kind of get what you're saying there's an energy crisis yes <laughs> in their world perfect term i think uh, an energy crisis, and they've been relying on fear for so long. Anyone who's seen the movie knows this is kind of a big plot point, and I don't necessarily want to spoil it, even though it came out in 2001. Uh, so maybe we'll just stop right there. If you haven't seen Monsters, Inc., like you, Baron, if if anyone out there was like you, they need to go see this, right? They need to, yeah. yeah. It's a total essential Pixar movie. It's one of the best. I think it's up there for me with uh, maybe... I don't know if I like Toy Story 1 or 2 better yet, Ooh. but it's up there for me right now uh, in our chronological yeah. order. And I, I had an idea that maybe we'll just wait to rank them till the very end when we've seen them all. Haha, I'm to wait, <laughs> including <laughs> me and you. <laughs> yeah, and maybe we can do a retrospective episode where we discuss favorite mm. moments, favorite characters over the whole oeuvre and kind of rank them out a little bit. So, but yeah, I think we can go ahead and maybe spoil some plot details and talk yeah. about other things like characters and um, other details. So okay. stick around if you've seen the movie and, you know, if you haven't, enjoy a really great Pixar movie that's streaming on Disney Plus right now. Yes. So just in case you don't know where to find it. All right. Sweet. Okay. Spoil away, bro. Me? <laughs> sure. I mean, I can do it, but... Yeah, sure. Um, So... Obviously, it's about Sully and Mike, monsters who accidentally let a human child into their world. And the whole monster world is in a panic because she's out there and potentially menacing so society. toxic. Yeah. Um, it's a classic, like, beware of the other story, mm -hmm. which I think there's some other subtextual things going on about, like, xenophobia and stuff. But anyway, um, it turns out that Randall the creepy chameleon dude, he's planning to change the game because he's jealous of Sully and the ability he has to scare children. And so he wants to kidnap kids and force them into this machine that sucks the screams out of them. And it's it's way more potent. It provides more energy than just going into their rooms and scaring them at night. Uh, and it's a lot more efficient, I guess. But it's very inhumane. <laughs> Yeah, and we find out that the good-natured mentor figure to Sully, the crab spider yeah, thing. Yeah, Mr. Something Noose. 
Yeah, Waternoose. Waternoose. He is in on the whole scheme, and he's willing to, you know, terrorize these children. And kind of turn to... his, turn his head to what's going, what Randall's doing underneath. It seems. Yeah, even though when what Sully and Mike find out is that kids aren't that bad. They're not toxic, and they're actually, it's kind of they play on the pet analogy thing where like Mike is all you don't name it then you yeah. get attached to yeah. it yeah, it's and really uh, Sully names her Boo and so like they become really attached to her They she grows on them and it's sad when they have to get her back to her room but that's kind of the main mission of the movie is let's get Boo back home right and, and there's lots of like interesting roadblocks like when yeah. Sully thinks she got in the garbage compactor yeah. which was a really intense garbage compactor. It yeah, like it crushed was. it, then rolled it, then sliced it, then punched like did every <laughs> sort of operation yeah. on that garbage. Yeah. Like cuz yeah, cuz they dress her up in this fake monster outfit so she can blend in uh and one of her eyeballs fake eyeball which is like a lamp or whatever yeah. uh gets into the garbage and he thinks it's her. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's really funny, it's good, and then uh, they get banished to Antarctica oh, yeah. with the abominable snowman, and this is where their relationship comes to a head between Sully and Mike. Um, Mike still thinks it's foolish to still try to help this girl mm-hmm. when there's bigger fish to fry in his mind, and uh, but Sully cares too much, and he's too nice of a guy, so he goes... To the nearest village, hops in a closet, and comes back. Uh, long story short, they eventually barely get Boo back into her room, and uh, they shred her door. Um, throughout all of this, they find out that laughter is more powerful than screams. Yeah. So it's kind of a like, uh, you know, it's playing on the emotion thing. Like, happiness is a more powerful emotion than fear, and. If you make people laugh and happy, you know, it provides quote-unquote energy in your life, in their life, without uh, being a negative form of energy, so. Yeah, I love that. It's such a cool twist, and then by the end, Mike is sitting there telling, like, stand up to the kids and making them laugh, and at the end, they just kind of have that good closing scene with everyone, the scare floor now is like the... I can't remember what they renamed it, the laughter floor, the happy floor, or funny floor. Something like Whatever. That. Anyway, yeah. they rename it, and it's just like, it looks like such a party. They got, like, balloons and everything. It's just, like, so fun, and uh, everything worked out good, and everything got resolved, and it got a lot of good closure. And we get the door back, and you can yeah. see Boo again, and mm-hmm. it's really good. Um, yeah, they definitely bonded over that delivers, experience. Uh-huh. Everything kind of delivers and wraps up very neatly, which, of course. It's true. And it's a win-win, you know, it's, you know, the humans benefit, uh, the kids can have a good joke from this random creature that shows up. I feel like that disrupts (laughs) the entire point of kids sleeping, like... Oh, well, it's fine. That'd be funny if, like, the, I bet the parents, they don't even know about this, so, like, yeah, that's, that's kind of funny. Anyways. That's true. (laughs) Um, but, yeah, also the monsters get energy and there's no more crisis because every laughter is who knows how many screams. Or every laugh, so... Yeah, all right. That was kind of the plot. A little, yeah. Very quickly, digression there. But I don't know what's next. Let's get to characters. I guess is that we kind of went over characters. I think mostly. that's true. Who's your favorite character in the movie? Ooh. Maybe besides the two leads. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Let me think for just a second. Hmm. Maybe. Okay. This might be a little bit cheating, 
but the whole group of like the FDA, what was they, what were they called? The CDA. CDA. Yeah. Those guys were hilarious. Like child detection just, agency. Just con- like when someone would come in with like a sock on their back, they'd just throw them down, quarantine them, shave all their hair off, put them <laughs> in a shame, come shame. Yeah. Like so funny. Uh, I just love those guys. They just roll out everywhere, and they're just, like, yeah, ready they're to go. Medicine. They're, like, they right have... behind. They're, like, right there ready to go at all times. Yeah, and they all have matching suits. Yeah. And they just have, like, cool tall heads and, like, three fingers, and they're just, like, so <laughs> weird. Like, I love those guys. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, cool. I guess um, that reminded me, actually, of a character that I really liked, who is that orange furry dude with the horn. Yeah. Who's the first one. He gets a sock. He's kind of the comedic relief i guess yeah. he's constantly getting yeah. run-ins with children and they're and it's always mike and sully's fault like it give continues yeah. to be mike and sully's fault like all the stuff in the locker and oh that's true out yeah. on that, like that, that they hide and then it comes back out on him he's like oh no not again and his stupid partner who keeps ratting yeah. him out <laughs> man but yeah that guy's funny i just like the way he walks he's got kind of a swagger yeah but he's always like hey what's up <laughs> i like that yeah so. he's a good dude cool um, any themes that you noticed? Let's get into that. I'll yeah, let you sure. talk for a minute. Uh, yeah, you kind of touched on some of those themes that I thought were most important, like, uh, how happiness is trumping fear and the relationship between the humans and the monsters. And I don't know, I don't think there's too much deeper meaning. I mean, there might be some subtext stuff like you were mentioning, mm. but it's just a really wholesome story. Just, you know, really, really wholesome, humorous. Uh, it's a good kind of escape escapist type movie yeah where you just kind of so. you don't have to think too much about stuff i mean it's a kids movie after all even though and that's kind of uh oversimplification because lots of kids movies have really good themes for everyone universal themes it's true but this is just a really fun piece of movie that i just had a good time watching like yeah i didn't really find too much deep meaning to apply to my life to like make me a better person or to explore but it was just a good time, and that's always a plus, just to have a movie that makes you laugh, makes you smile, and, you know, wraps up nice, and that's true. all of the above. That's true, and Pixar's classic emotion, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe I didn't feel it so potently as I did in other movies, um, but it was definitely there at times, and you really feel for Boo, and you can understand why Sully has an affection for her, um, and a, a protective instinct, I guess. Um uh, yeah, I think uh, the only thing that I noticed, you know, subtextually or whatever, uh, thematically speaking, was that xenophobia thing that I brought up earlier about um, just that fear of the other. You know, these, these monsters are taught from a very young age to be afraid of the children and to be um, to treat them like animals, you know, like stay away from them at all costs. And there's this very imposing government agency that's meant to, you know, clean people from contamination and stuff like they don't even know anything like if they had ever found out that oh these kids actually don't cause any harm but they didn't they just like kept on going with this blinded belief in something that they have no clue about and i think that could be a little bit of a commentary you know about our society how we're always afraid of people from other places and what are they going to do they speak differently and they look differently and oh man like let's not touch them or interact with them uh that was kind of a whole thing about like segregation uh after you know the slavery era um you know after emancipation and all that up until um civil rights movement i guess just like you know the segregation of it like oh man white people we're we don't want to be 
touch the unclean people, you know? Like, it doesn't make any sense. They didn't... Yeah. It's like they didn't even know what they were doing. Uh, and if they had stopped to think logically, then it wouldn't have gotten to that point. Uh, but, you know, it happened, and uh, this movie, I think, is kind of commenting on that. Uh, for all its levity and for all its right. uh, humor and things, I think there is a little bit going on commentary-wise. You know, they say that uh, comedy is just someone who's angry at something makes a joke about it you know like if you want to make comedy you need to find out what you're angry about uh and so i think that could be a little bit of a thing Uh, yeah i think i think there's some good commentary there um politically uh maybe like you know like you said with the big corporation type thing maybe about industry um how like where we get our power from like oil and like i don't know maybe some different things you could draw out of it that's not reading too much into it but yeah, I think there's probably some stuff to explore, and it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a good, good stuff. So. Yeah, but like you said, I think it's very much directed at kids. Um, I think it's meant to teach kids that you shouldn't be afraid of the monsters in your closet. Even if they are real, they're probably nice. <laughs> right. I mean, it seemed like only a couple of the monsters were actually bad, like Randall. He was like the only real troublemaker, uh, evil one, I suppose. Uh, but all the rest were kind of just doing their job, and they hadn't yet awoken to the error of their ways, I suppose. So, um, But most of them, I feel like, were good-natured and good-hearted. So maybe that was kind of the message for kids. And either way, it was a funny movie and a very creative world, like I said off the top. Yeah. So I think we could probably call it there. And uh, Yeah, um, for, before we go. Yes. Uh, we've been, as we go, kind of talking about animation, kind of how it's been progressing. So I wanted to... Th- hear your thoughts on what you think about this compared to the previous ones we've watched um and did you notice the pizza planet truck i did on this one (laughs) yes we haven't talked about that much but that's something we've been looking for every time we watch the new one yeah i think it's during that sequence where they're hopping in and out of uh doors in the big giant warehouse that moves all the doors around uh, they shove Randall in a door at the last second, and he pops up in a trailer in the middle of nowhere, yeah. and the Pizza Planet truck is parked outside. So uh, a little bit of an Easter egg for those uh, of you who want to know where it is without Googling it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's all online Yikes. now. <laughs> it's 2020. But, uh, yeah, um, I liked the animation a lot. I thought it was leaps and bounds ahead of, say, Bug's Life. Right. Um, and... It's probably a little bit further ahead of the Toy Story movies, just just by the hair. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different things that they're animating in this movie that they hadn't before. Like when Sully crashes his sled in Antarctica and the wind's blowing and the snow is blowing and his fur is kind of yeah, moving it's around. Crazy. It looks very realistic, and I, I really admired that about it. In fact, I found out that uh, it took like 11 hours to render a single frame of Sully just because he had like over 2 million individual hairs uh, which is very high level of detail especially for 2001 so props to Pixar on that no kidding yeah I think this is far better than Toy Story 2 Um, but at the same time there's still like this weird edge to everything Mm. is there's something just not quite as polished as we see today and uh, that's about all I had for that I guess it's just like it's it's progressing, of course, and mm-hmm. we don't need to get too repetitive about that. But I, I also felt like the characters were better able to emote yeah. um, versus the Toy Story characters. Like, um, 
Sully's many different faces and Mike's faces. Some of the characters weren't that way, like Mr. Waternoose was kind of bland. Yeah. Um, the creature design was cool, but he wasn't well animated, I don't think, from a you know, emotive standpoint. Yeah, and, like, it seems like Mike's emotions, most of it comes from his eye, you know? Like, his yeah. brow, like, uh-huh. how his brow overs at, and we, I definitely want to talk about that in Monsters U. Yeah. Uh, but, and yeah, the faces, they cool. really ramp up the faces yeah. in Monsters U. I was yeah, thinking about so, that. Oh, yeah. And in this, <laughs> there's so many more characters than there yeah, were, like, in true. the background and the cities. It feels more fleshed out. I think I mentioned it yeah. was Toy Story. It felt like it was <laughs> in a computer... Uh, box, yeah. But this one feels like it's much more expansive. The backgrounds are fleshed out. It feels wide ranging and like a real place that we're looking into instead of like a little teeny cardboard box with toys in it. Absolutely, yeah. I liked it a lot, and you can see the confidence behind Pixar's yeah. animation team, uh, just willing to push their boundaries and expand their own limits. Yeah, they're putting it all on the table here, and I loved it. Yep, I'd say if this movie. Probably a solid four and a half, you know? Dang. I think it's missing that emotion that I really like to connect with, especially that Pixar delivers so prominently. This one I didn't quite feel, so uh, I wasn't quite there. It's not, it, it wasn't a movie that blew me away, but it's a movie that I love, so four and a half stars for me. Yeah, I'm about, I'm about there with you. I think I'm going to say like a solid four. Um, yeah, it's just missing something. Like, there's just something else there. I think it is the emotion. Yeah. It's just a little bit lacking, but... That's okay. Um, I still really like this one a lot. I'm interested to see where it's going to land. I don't know how high it's going to be. I have so many others mm-hmm. that are I know. so great later <laughs> it's, on. That it's I'm almost impossible to, to rank them because you have to find, okay, what's the worst one? Well, none of them are bad, so... It's true. Yeah, this is really great. I highly recommend, and uh, I was really, really excited to see this for the first time. Um, with Yeah. Cool. To talk about it, so... Sweet. Epic. All right, shifting gears just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we'll take a small break and then... Yes. <laughs> yes, let's <laughs> take a know. small break first before we switch gears a oh, little. Oh, yes. And uh, we'll be right back to discuss 2013's Monsters University. room 319. You know, your roommate is a scaring major, too. <gasps> RJ, come here, boy. Uh-oh. <laughs> that was awesome. James P. Sullivan. Mike Wazowski. Well, now that we've been introduced... You don't think I'm scary. You're not even in the same league with me. Your hands are as big as my back. All right, and we're back. Yeah, a little break there. Maybe a little longer than we expected, but yeah. here we are. Uh... To this recording session has been a little choppy. Yes. Um, just uh, logistically speaking. But we're back. We're ready to talk about Monsters University. Yeah. 2013, right? Yes. Awesome. Yes, and we watched this separately. Yeah. Uh, I watched it earlier than you. I think I saw it Monday or Tuesday. So. And I just finished it. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard to fit stuff in with work, man. I mentioned that last week. It's. It's challenging. I'm part of the working force of America now. <laughs> nice. Blue so, collar boy. Yeah, dude. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so I'm pretty fresh on this. I was kind of scattered on Monsters, Inc. because I'm getting it confused with Monsters University. So <laughs> finally, we'll not be as confused. Yeah. Okay, so precursor to Pixar classic, 
everyone already knows what we're talking about. But this movie follows the early days of BFFs Michael Wazowski and James Sullivan from the first field trip of the scare floor to the first day of work on the scare floor, mainly focusing on how everything in Monsters, Inc. came to be, friendships and nemeses alike, and greatly and hilariously expands this beloved universe to the campus of Monsters University uh, while introducing new and unique monsters along the way. Bro, we've now seen Monsters University. How do you feel it holds up, and is it a necessary expansion of the original? Okay, good question, good setup. So, my main thought on this movie, as I was pondering it a little bit since watching it, uh, was that it kind of feels like they had an idea of a university or a school-themed movie, but they didn't really know how to tell it in their Pixar way, and so they decided to combine it with a prequel to Monsters, Inc. Mm. Um, and so some of it felt a little forced, and unnecessary, uh, but I think they ended up telling a good story that kind of helped develop these characters a little further. Um, I would say the first act was pretty weak. Um, I was very, it was very cold to me. It lacked a lot of the charm of the original. Um, and the characters, like I said, we were gonna talk about this with this movie, um, the original movie, I felt like the characters were each very unique and very different, and they had a wide range of different types of monsters. But this one, it felt like they were all pretty cookie cutter with very slight differences. Right. And they, most of them just felt like filler in the background, where the main characters, like, and there's quite a lot of main characters, so it kind of feels like they're all unique. Mainly the, the fraternity Guys, yeah, what's the fraternity? I forgot the name. So of they're it. part of Uzma Kappa. Uzma Kappa, yeah. yeah. Those guys are like the secondary characters, I would say. Yeah, they're all pretty unique. Um, and then some of the main villain characters, I guess, like Nathan Fillion's character at Roar, and then yeah. the lady, what's her name, Professor Hornscrabble or whatever. Yeah, Doctor Hornscrabble, uh, played by Helen Mirren and. That's about it as far as unique. Oh, I guess the two commentators. There was the girl was played the voiced by uh what's her name from Parks and Rec? Oh yeah, it's uh Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey it? Plaza. Yeah, it yes. did seem like her. I didn't it was know her. Was... I don't know why it slipped my mind and then I don't know who voices the other Yeah, the guy. really loud guy. Yeah, but those two were unique and just like everybody else kind of felt a little bland to me felt a little less creative on the creature design front. Um, but you're right, I think it's developing a little more complex themes and, like I said, developing the characters better. So what did you think? I, th I really like this as a precursor to Monsters, Inc. I like how they set up uh, Mike's childhood and his arc. I like how they set up Sully. And there's interesting twists and turns I wasn't... Ex well, maybe not wasn't expecting. But... Um, Maybe I just, before I just don't, I, there's stuff I want to say, but maybe we should just say like spoilers ahead because I just kind of want to go. Yeah, um, sure. Let's do it. Spoilers. So, yeah, spoilers. Go watch Monsters University. Pair it with Monsters, Inc. It's a good also, double feature. Also streaming at Disney Plus, yep. of course. It's the, it's the hub of Disney movies. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> so um, I liked Mike's arc and I liked Sully's arc like 
when Mike shows up to the university, you think that his roommate is going to be Sully, but ends up being Randy. Like, that was a pretty interesting twist. And then how Randy, like, gets beat by... Sully causes Randy to not score very well on the the final exam thing. That one felt a little weak to me. Yeah, it felt like they really were trying to tie them together. But it was kind of interesting, like, how he's like, oh, I'm never going to lose to you again. And it creates this bitterness. So then it's like, okay, so now looking back on Monsters, Inc., that... It stuff makes sense since they've now explained it. Yeah, it makes sense, I guess. It just didn't feel as um, well-developed, I guess, for lack of a better word. Like, Maybe, like, less authentic. I don't know. Yeah, it felt a little forced. It felt a little bit like, um, okay, that minor little detail is not enough to cause this lifelong bitterness to where he's going to, you know, become corrupt and, like, destroy the whole facility and stuff just because oh, Sully beat me one time in college. Like, it seems a little arbitrary and petty, I guess, is the word. Right. But, yeah, I guess, I mean, it gives you a reason, so. It's true. It's not the best, like, way to make a prequel, but I think it does it pretty well. I, I enjoyed all the stuff with Mike being a little kid and going to the the scare floor and going in the room and his wonder on his face. Like, he's just such a cute little guy. That was a nice little face, and, though. When uh, he comes out of the door. Yeah, and he's just time. smiling, and everyone's like, whoa. Yeah. There's lots of good stuff like that. I I liked all the early stuff, and then yeah. I liked and, how... And speaking of that, it sets up the whole character trait of Mike that he's not scary, but he's fearless. Right. That's kind of his big thing. He does not fear anything. Um, and he gets a little timid, maybe a little nervous at times, but for the most part, like... He's very confident, and he knows what he should do, and, you know, he's not afraid of situations when his back's against the wall. Yeah, he uses his know-how to fit the situation, which, actually, that was one of my favorite things that they expanded upon, is the importance of the file that they get, because in the first one, it's like, do your paperwork file. They have, like, the kid files. (laughs) They have the files of the kids, like, their case file or whatever, like, whatever you'd call it, Mm -hmm. and it kind of tells them, like, okay, what they're scared of, what... And I thought that was interesting little detail of like something that they're doing where it didn't show any of that in Monsters Inc. Yeah. And and we're jumping around a little bit, but when the last tournament when they're doing the uh whatever it's called, the The scare games? Or the simulation. The simulation. Yeah. Uh when Sully got his and the girl was afraid of lions and thunder or whatever. Yeah, that was I was like, that's a little convenient, but okay. Like of course he got that one. I wanted to see him change in the sense that like okay, Sully has to get something where he can't roar, you know? Right. Like, um, what was it? Where the, the kid's afraid of snakes, you know, like yeah. the professor talks about, and Aurora would not even face it would make him. them cry, and make then the parents cry. would yeah. be alerted. That was, there's so many interesting things they never explored in Monsters, Inc. that I think are really That's well true. fleshed out here. That's true. There's a lot of details, and, like, it's a university, so they had to cover different bases of, like, scaring tactics and yeah like, and all like the uh things. cylinder design the yeah. like, the boring class that people hate like so funny like so many little different uh uh majors in the monster world that's true the door crap like when they blow yeah. up that they blow up that door like, and they're like oh, oh. working on my door all semester yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was that was a good so funny. joke but yeah i thought uh i wanted to see a little bit more with sully I know he had a moment where he, like, apologized and realized, like, yeah, I've been a jerk, and he admitted that he's been terrified this whole time, rather than... Yeah, those were, like, two separate scenes. Yeah. That yeah. I kind of wanted to He acts up. tough, but he's just terrified. I thought that was just the one heart-to-heart moment. So, there's the one where they... I love the scene when they go to... They break in 
to the the scare floor and they look in and then Mike is showing them like look all these people they're they're just using their unique abilities yeah. to scare people and that was kind of his whole like that was how they went from the underdog that's how they became the underdogs right. they believed I in themselves as yeah unique they used their and... unique quirks to scare people mm-hmm. and then um that's when Sully was like yeah I'm sorry I've been a jerk like I realize um you know I realize that I've been really thinking about this the wrong way and then there's a later scene that I love that's at the lake inside of the human world, which was so cool. Yeah. Like it was all black and white, mostly because it's nighttime. And they're yeah, at the lake, and nice... solely that's when he says, "Like I'm actually terrified, even though I seem scary mm. all the time." I didn't know he said the jerk thing after that window at the monsters yeah. ink. But yeah, okay, that's good to figure out. Those two out. scenes are probably the two most important ones, like in Sully's character yeah. wise, like definitely in Sully's. But uh, yeah, I did like. I really liked that moment at Monsters, Inc. That was yeah. a powerful moment. It was very That's inspiring. So cool. The classic, uh, was it Randy Newman who scored this movie? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was Michael Giacchino at first, but then I looked it uh, up yeah. right at the beginning, and then it was Randy Newman. Yeah, so Randy Newman's score coming in strong in that moment. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you can just feel like, oh, man, all this stuff that... It's a, it's the classic... I almost feel like this would do better in like a high school setting because it's kind of a coming-of-age story in a way. Yeah. With all these, you know, dropouts or, you know, the freaks and geeks. So misfits. Yeah, the misfits that uh, they um, they realize that all the things that people have been bullying them about for so long are actually strengths if they look at them in the right way. So Yeah, I think that just, it's a classic kind of cliche movie trope thing, but it works so well with the monsters because there's easy ways to make fun of them. Like we kind of talked about, it's easy to see the differences between monsters. And Mike, he's just this little pipsqueak beach ball guy, but he's so smart and so fearless. And Sully has his flaws and his weaknesses, even though he's this big, scary, growly guy. And he has this name. I thought that was interesting too. He's like this famous name. And yeah. then, and like when he comes into class, he's like, for oh, I didn't even bring a pencil. And like, he's like this total jock, like stereotypical, rich, like, petty guy. Yeah, he's entitled. And yeah. It's almost like, like a my dad that. owns the universe. Exactly. Kind of I liked how they played attitude. with that, uh, even though it's a little cliche. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely... I don't know. Yeah, Soli, I think, was not as well-developed in this movie, but I think the first movie, like Monsters, Inc., probably had more... It was more about him and you know, him discovering uh, different things about himself and stuff. But I don't know, maybe Monsters, Inc. didn't quite flesh out Sully as much as I would like either. Yeah, that's why um, I think these two go together well. You get Sully kind of changing through this movie, and then in Monsters, Inc., you see his really tender side where he's kind of changed to be more nice and other good attributes. And his attachment towards helping Boo out and stuff, I think that's like a really... I think with the two movies together, I think Sully is a really, really good character and has a really great progression. I guess so. I think it leaves a little to be desired, in my opinion. But, okay. Uh, well, I like I'm Mike. Disagree. Let's talk about Mike a little okay. bit. Okay, yeah. Uh, he's, he's cool. Um, he's that classic know-it-all who's kind of cocky, and he's really cocky in yeah. this movie, uh, where he's like, I'm going to be the best scarer, and no one can tell me what to do, and... You know, like... Yeah, but at the same time, I don't think he was, like, rude cocky. I think he was just, like... That's just, like, who he is, and he doesn't really think about that he's outwardly appearing like that. 
he's just he's just obsessed and he's just following his dream like this is his dream since he's a little kid that's true but he still goes about it in the wrong way and just because he's oblivious to it i don't think that excuses the behavior yeah that's probably true i think he realizes through the course of the movie that like okay yeah like um i have weaknesses too you know like i'm not the best even though i want to be and maybe i need to find a place like he has to come to grips with the fact that he's just not scary you might know all the stuff but like Sully was telling him, it has to come from within. Like you have True. to, you have to have that X factor, I guess. And Mike just didn't quite have that. But I really like that final sequence uh, in the camp where they both recognize their strengths. Like, okay, Sully's not really the brains, but he's kind of the brawn. He'll he'll do the roar. Yeah. And Mike is the planner. He's he knows all the tricks and all the ins and outs of, you know, different ways to scare people. And he's tying the fishing line to pull stuff around. And I liked that because they learned how to use their individual strengths, mm-hmm. which we see in Monsters, Inc. Um, they they use their strengths to effectively do their job. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see the pre... Um, because then in Monsters, Inc., how Mike's kind of his assistant. He's kind of Sully's assistant. And I like to see where that came from. Yeah. And also, it's just... I mean, it's kind of, kind of cheesy. The whole movie, they're they're just budding conflict, and then there is the resolution. I knew that was gonna happen. I mean, everyone does. You've already seen Monsters Inc. at this point, so like you knew that they're gonna become best friends. So this kind of rivalry is only temporary. But it was interesting to see. Like, again, I thought they were gonna meet and then become best friends, but they had to go through those things and uh, right c- conflict and compromise type of thing. That's true, and that maybe that uh, kind of uh, what's the word. Um, not fortified, but that kind of uh, solidified their bond, for lack of a better word. There's I would a word say I would there. say like informed, like when you're like that's what I'm kind of thinking of. It kind of informs like where their relationship is in Monsters Inc. No, yeah, but that's not what I mean. I mean like in the in the term of like, um, like it forged their bond in in fire more right. like, like their their passionate uh competition between each other you know ended up um you know just <laughs> i know there's you're some saying, kind of like metal working term that i'm thinking of that's like you know like i said it like forged their relationship and it just like made it way strong yeah um, i love the sequence that. in the apartments uh in the kappa Uzma Kappa, mm-hmm. Uzma Kappa apartments where at first they're like really hating that they're living so close together, and then later once they've done so much training, that little montage of them like they've handing the each rhythm, other, yeah. handing each other stuff, moving stuff so that each other can get and grab something. That like, was a nice. Oh, that fluid was so nice. Movement. That was a good. That made me choreographed, so you know, storyboard. Yeah, it was so nice, and just like their close proximity, they had to work that out. Like they had to um, get over those differences, and uh, eventually, of course, it's plays out really well and yeah i agree and i think the the task scenario of the games um some moments i felt like okay this is kind of eye rolly mm. and some moments i felt like this is kind of creative and unique you know they're they're putting their own spin on the college slash high school uh type of game uh movie where they're like you know, competing against other right. teams and 
trying to be the best at different tasks. It's like Survivor, but Monsters, right. Inc. version. Right. Yeah, it was kind of cheesy at some points, but it's still, like, I was still smiling and laughing and, like, on the edge of my seat a lot of the time. Like, I knew what was coming. I mentioned to you when you came in, like, I see where this is going. Like, I know what's going to happen. It's a pretty mm. straightforward story and arc, and yeah. it has some good beats that are... Um, and I think it's a lot more personal than Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Inc. is so. more of the mission to get Boo back, where this one explores, you know, those relationships and those early stages and all the things we've talked about. I definitely can't agree with you so much that I think the the personal stuff is done the best in this movie. Yeah. But it's when they try to expand the world, I feel like, that it, it falls flat a little bit. So what do you movie. mean by that? So when they're trying to talk about the university at large and the different rivaling groups yeah. and the, the per, like the 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 dean huh. is it dean hornscrabble that's her name maybe i don't know but that last scene with her i was like that was totally pointless like she did not need to when they're arguing and he's like i think they got expelled and, she, and oh, he's like and she's like somehow right in the vicinity and she's like what did you mean by that or whatever and she flies right. in and like talks to them and it doesn't go anywhere it, it was the just front cover it was just a MacGuffin to get them the newspaper that was right. all it was and it was I felt like that was really yeah it didn't really resolve anything between them and her yeah and what I liked so much about Monsters Inc was that world building the interconnectivity like all the different doors they were hopping in and the expanse oh, connectivity you like that <laughs> oh yeah I like it when <laughs> it's done well oh uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's a little reference to our brighter summer day. <laughs> yeah, I gotta check that out. Anyways. Um, yeah, I, I thought that the world building was done really well in the first movie. And in this one, they told a more personal story while they were trying to expand the world, I think, yeah. further. Yeah. And it just didn't work. I felt like if they had just focused on, like... I see what you're saying. Uzma Kappa as a group, then maybe that would have worked better. I see what you're saying. It's a lot more sprawling, and maybe they spread themselves a little too thin. They kind of needed that plot device, though. Um, Like I said, the games aspect was kind of cool. But one thing I liked about it a lot was how all the different little clubs and groups, the monsters that were in them were specialized to what they were doing. Like, the art group, like, there was this big shaggy guy, and he would dip himself in paint and then paint on the canvas. Like, Like, the design of the monsters was catered to what they would be doing, and I feel like... That kind of adds to that idea of the monsters' like weaknesses or whatever becoming their strengths. So like, in that way, um, you know, I don't know where I was going. I had a, somewhere I was going with this, but mm. it just like that's the same kind of idea through the whole movie where like you kind of see once you notice that, then you kind of see like okay, all these people have kind of found their niche based on you know their weird body type and weird like sticking to walls and having really long hair or like two people attached to each other like they kind of yeah. find a way to use that in a productive way that they enjoy and that was really cool that's true yeah it's like reflected not only in the Uzma Kappa people but in the whole university it seems mm-hmm. yeah and and it got there was a little bit of like rocky vibes I got from it with the the final showdown where yeah. like the I mean maybe not I thought that it would be, but then they compromised their, like, morals by cheating, you know, slowly yeah. turned the notch down for Mike's test. I thought that it was going to go that way, where, like, Roar Fraternity actually won the challenge, but then, like, 
the purpose, like the the fact that Uzma Kappa got that far was the the right. point of it. I forgot kind of how it ha- how it ended up. But, yeah. So had you seen this before? I guess we. I have one time. Yeah, yeah. I saw it once when it came out. On, like, I saw Red it Box. pretty recently, like maybe a year and a half ago, mm. two years ago. So I I think some of the only things I remembered were the library. Some of the stuff with the Uzma Kappa, ha- like it being in the house, like the initiation, the mom and stuff. And then oh, yeah. I remembered the cheating thing. I kind of remembered solely cheating the thing. And then when mm. Mike finds out and he was like, boo. And then it went, like, I kind of vaguely remembered those scenes. Nice. So. Yeah, I didn't remember much, to be honest. Now that, that I like, think about it. Yeah, it was really, it was, it was fun. I, I started, once it was going, it jogged my memory. But, nice. Um, yeah, it was really good. Um, I had a couple things here. The Randall origin, it's kind of oh yeah, kind, kind of, of silly, that. but it's one of those tiny moments that didn't super work for me. But it was a small moment, so it didn't matter. The with the glasses, like oh, where it's it was really Mike's, like the whole time it was Mike who gave Randall the idea to be creepy. Like his shifty eyes were just because he's squinting because he can't see, oh. and before he was a super nerdy dude who like. He didn't understand. This is where Mike's knowledge comes into play, is that Randall didn't understand that his invisibility could be used, you know, as a tool. And we keep circling back to this, but I think Randall is one of those key examples that, like, Mike, I think, was oblivious to his help at first, and then he learned over the course of things, like, oh, yeah, let's use our strengths. Uh Yeah, I think that's a really big centerpiece of the movie, as we mentioned. And I like how... Mike, um, I think it's interesting how Mike is always kind of the root of everything. Like, he's the one that caught the pig, that gets solely into the roar. Like, all the stuff that happens, really, it's Mike's idea. Like, and he doesn't often get credit. And that's why it's good to see that get resolved and solely finally realize, dude, you're so smart. Like, you, it's been your ideas, like, the whole time. Um, and the funny Definitely. scene on the bus when he's like, actually, I caught the pig, he's like, Good point. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, Sully even forgot, like... Yeah, true. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> All I did was catch a pig. Yeah. He's like, actually, I caught the pig. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, we actually kind of glossed over the humor aspect. There was a lot of good humorous moments that I found in this. Uh, one, you mentioned with the mom, the the washing machine little guy. Oh, yeah, that's funny. The, the guy is trying to do this scary ritual, and the mom is like, oh, you boys, turn the lights on when you're playing. And she's, like, doing the laundry and stuff. She's like, oh, don't mind me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then one moment that was definitely for the kids when Mike was, like, uh, talking about how bad he sheds. And Sully's like, I don't shed. And Mike just hits the mattress and all the hair (laughs) falls down. Yeah, that That was was a good moment. Um, One one moment that I really liked, um, there's one character, I don't remember who it was, but they're like, they mentioned like, I have an extra toe. Not with me, of course. Yeah, but. <laughs> that was so funny. That was the guy in Uzma Kappa, the like purple guy with two legs. I thought it might have been him. He also has so a line funny. where he's like, I can't go back to jail. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> it's just so random, absurd, yeah. but it's it's really funny. Almost. There's so many details. There's so many little like noise in the background that I heard like a character out like as it was passing by, like them saying something funny. Yeah. I was laughing. Yeah, I also liked the one of the last moments they, you know, we've already said spoilers, but Mike and Sully get jobs in the mailroom, yeah. and they're super excited about it, and they're thinking of all these different ways they can improve the system and all this stuff, and uh, and then the abominable snowman from the first movie comes through, and he's like, 
Hey guys, uh, just so you know, tampering with mail is a crime punishable by exile or banishment. <laughs> <laughs> this was really funny because if you can connect the dots, then that you realize that's how he got kicked out of the place uh, in the first place. So, yeah. And then I noticed a little reference to Disney's history. Mm. Um, I can't remember who said it, but there's a line from The Little Mermaid where she says, but daddy, I love him. And it's like, oh, it's one of the teenagers in the one of the scary Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. It was. Good catch. (laughs) Yeah. So when they're, you can't scare the teenagers, but you can scare the kids. There would be like those pop outs. One of them said, but daddy, I love him. That was. I haven't seen Little Mermaid. That's a line lifted straight from Little Mermaid. It's also quoted in a Childish Gambino song. Oh, wow. Um, Nice connection. Yeah. (laughs) So. All right, that cool. was pretty much all that yeah, I had. I, I don't have a, I didn't have a ton, um, and I don't know. I'm kind of kind of <laughs> lost here. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. But uh, so you, how would you compare this with Monsters Inc? I guess in terms Ooh. of like, which one do you like more? That's so hard because the first one is so good. It's like often with sequels, yeah, you kind of have to give the credit to the first one because it's, it's groundbreaking. It's you know, there's nothing like it, and now. With a prequel, this was like 10 years later, and uh, Pixar's first prequel, because um, oh, Toy true. Story 2 was a and sequel. And only prequel, right? I think so, yeah. That's interesting. Finding Dory was after. Yeah. Cars 2 Toy and 3 Star- were the... after. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Nice. So yeah, it's like the first prequel um, in their canon. I don't know. It's This definitely would be ranked lower than Monsters, Inc., but I still really like this a lot. Like, but sometimes because it's harder almost to follow up a good movie that's with true. a good movie. That's so also very true. Maybe it's more difficult to make a good sequel. Who knows? But I was really pleasantly surprised on how well they pulled off the whole prequel idea. Um, yeah. And developed the characters, and you know, expanded the world. Which there, I see. I see. Like as you're pointing out, there's some flaws to how they executed it, but. I think they did it pretty good. Like, you compare this... We always say if you compare this to any other animation studio, like some of the other ones out there, I think this is still way better than a lot of stuff that's being made or Mm -hmm. has been made. Yeah, and the level of difficulty alone, I think, like you said, it's much more expansive and it's tackling more themes. It's a longer movie by about 15 minutes. And it shows, you know, like, there's a lot more going on here. And maybe it was a little too ambitious for their own good. (laughs) <laughs> um, but in the end, I feel like um, it worked out well. One thing that I will say gives this movie the edge for me was the emotion that I found lacking in the yeah. first one. That The emotion hit really hard in this a couple places where I was either cheering happy or like, you know, just feeling that weight of um, sadness and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I it's think true. they've definitely progressed in their emotion. Although... It's Toy hard. Story 2 had pretty heavy stuff That's in there. True. That might be one of Pixar's best. So maybe Monsters, Inc. just didn't quite land for me. I don't know why, but um, you can definitely see them pulling some more strings here at Monsters University. We can't really compare animation because this came out uh, 12 years after yeah, Monsters, Inc. but it's so much better. <laughs> yeah, it's so we were both talking oh. like, man, this is a breath of fresh air to finally see yeah. something so crisp. And, man, they were doing so many things with focus. And, I mean, 
by this point, anima- like this computer animation style is so yeah. It's like the technology is so advanced. And the way they did the campus, just with it's kind of in fall because that's when yeah. you know semester starts and stuff. So the trees are orange and I know, the water. So there's nice. like a creek running through the campus. It's so beautiful nice. uh, and very well detailed. I think this came out. This came out a while before Finding Dory, which was when I first noticed, first started noticing water in animation, mm. uh, computer animation. Uh, and this one, you know, it looks pretty realistic, but then we talk about Toy Story 4 all the time in terms of animation. It's kind of the newest bar to, yeah, and Frozen to reach. Two and Frozen 2 is pretty good. But yeah, the water in both of those movies is so realistic. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. Speaking of water animated, Ponyo, Miyazaki movie, not really sure when it came out, but uh, that's hand-drawn and it's pretty Probably much around water. this time. It's pretty much all water and it's amazing. I think it was 2010. Or, yeah, it's definitely 2010s. Never mind. 2008. Ooh. Dang. I'm not 100% sure if it's hand-drawn. I don't know. I think it is, but it might be computer-aided. Maybe. Um, I think most of the time they use computers to aid the drawing process, yeah. like colorization, all that stuff. Anyways, that is, like, almost all based on around water, and it's beautiful. Um, so, yeah, animation on this is leaps and bounds above what we're used to from our chronology. It's Since we've kind of been mashing stuff together now, it's gonna be a little bit harder to compare stuff but yeah yeah it's really good to see um yeah this one was good uh rating wise i've kind of drifted off there i think it might be around the same maybe like three and a half four like i'm not 100 percent sure where they weigh against each other it's that's mm-hmm. why rating stuff is so hard for me because i rate one thing five and then one thing two and two and a half and it's like there's That's reasons true. why and it's but as a to... critic i feel it's important to have a stance you know it's true <laughs> i want to have an opinion and so yeah i think three and a half for me is solid there's a lot of really good stuff i'd say it's more good than bad but it didn't even with the emotion um the story beats and just like the logic of it i guess uh didn't quite come together as well with this as i hoped or expected so yeah sweet three and a half okay sweet um I think that's it for the Monsters universe. Yeah, cool. <laughs> we can briefly do a What's Entertaining You This Week segment real quick. Yeah, I don't have much. Cool. So. Um, yeah. Um, I decided I would try like writing up, you know, kind of a blurb about mine, similar to how we do the setups okay. for the movies, but this one's a little bit longer. However, I think you'll be happy uh, with this one. Maybe I'll start. Oh, is this the one that I don't know about yet? It's the one you don't know about yet. Okay, I just finished it last night. I'm excited. (laughs) All right, so I'll just see if I can get through this quickly. Um, I love movies, obviously. What? And that's my primary form of entertainment. However, if I were to choose a secondary, it would be the miniseries. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got the basic structure of a movie, but stretched out to allow greater character and plot development. If there's one studio that has mastered the miniseries, it's HBO. Sharp Objects, Big Little Lies, Band of Brothers, to name just three, are all excellently written and hold the cinematic quality of a feature film. Recently, I binged all of one of the newest of these, Damon Lindelof's Watchmen. Ooh, nice. I've read the graphic novel and loved it, and this feels so much like a continuation of that world. It presents many of very fascinating ideas about humanity, free will, power, and coexistence that the book did, 
But being a show in 2019, it also tackled topics of racism in America, technology and conspiracies that all felt original yet true to the characters and world. Starring Regina King, Don Johnson, Gene Smart, Louis Gossick Jr., Jim, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, and Jeremy Irons, uh, it follows the story of a cop, played by King, digging to the roots of a mystery that almost literally lands at her feet. Slowly integrating characters and events from the graphic novel, the show becomes more and more like the Watchmen we know and love, but with a new twist. In this parallel version of our modern world, Robert Redford is president, masked vigilantes are outlawed, and cops are required to wear masks after a systematic attack on them by a white supremacist organization called the Seventh Cavalry, with a K. You can kind of see where that mm. came from. Came from. With a <laughs> Vietnam. K. Vietnam is now the 51st state, and it seems reversed to our society uh, where white people are living in squalor while people of color are actually treated fairly. In fact, most of the cops are black in this pseudo-Tulsa, Oklahoma. I won't go too much further, not only because I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't seen it, including you, I think. Yes. Um, but also because there's so much to unpack from just nine episodes that it would require hours of airtime just to cover it all. Uh, bro, what do you know about this great series? Ooh, dude, I'm I'm really jealous that you've seen this and I haven't, because I want to watch it so bad. And I might just watch it soon, um, if I can find the time. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, so I've always talked about Adam Savage's podcast and his other media, and they've been covering this since it came out and along as it was airing live, and they always were just talking about how good of a social commentary it is and how well made it is. Like, they just are, they love it. It's one of their all time favorite shows up there with like Mad mm. Men, Breaking Bad, wow. West Wing, like all these big shows they love, and they talk about this nonstop. So I've been hearing about it for a while, and. I would love to dig into it soon. Yeah, it really packs a punch, and uh, it makes me want to go back and read the book again. Yeah, there's a lot I'm gonna that read I the. I, that's I'm finishing Adam Savage's book for the like second or third time. Once I finish that, there's a couple things and that I want to read next. And Watchmen is really high up there. I just really want to dig into a really good graphic novel. Nice, it's really good. It's probably the foremost work of graphic yeah. novel. It's really influential. So yeah, it came out in eighties. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Cool. Okay. On that note, uh, you know about this, um, that I've seen it, and also kind of what it's about, as I've been explaining. It's literally the only other thing I watched this week besides the required material for the show, as per usual recently. And there were two movies this week, so that didn't help. <laughs> That's true. Um, so this is a documentary that was nominated for the Oscar in 2010. This is a documentary by director Banksy, Director and also street art, infamous um, infamous street artist and uh, prankster and troll. He's quite the interesting guy to look into, to say the least. Right. Uh, he's a anonymous street artist based out of London, as that's pretty much most of the stuff that we know about him. Um, but his work is so controversial and very thought-provoking and important, but the way he's playing with art is very crazy and interesting these days with modern art and this this film is called exit through the gift shop if i didn't say that and uh it's not really about him but it's about this guy with a video camera that follows a bunch of street artists around and it's super fascinating glimpse into that world in the early beginnings all around the world and 
Banksy talks about different things. It's it's really fascinating. Really tons of stuff going on and yeah, I've just been really into art and design and different yeah. stuff like that. So I've been trying to watch more stuff like that and this was really cool. I stumbled upon it. Um watched it maybe illegally on YouTube, but uh <laughs> it was really good. Uh that's where I found it, so you probably find it the same. But yeah, I'd highly recommend it if you're interested in that and uh cool. It's definitely worth the time. It's really fascinating. It's been on my list for a long time. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and we always joke about how uh, on these Pixar episodes, we don't. it seems like we don't watch anything that's like family-friendly at all. Yeah. Uh, Watchmen is definitely not. It's super weird, um, but yeah, it gets... It's, it's a little bit more for the adults, but uh, yeah. So for my next pick is Irreversible by <laughs> Gaspar Noe. No, just kidding. Uh, I won't talk about that here today, but I did watch that last night, and uh, it was pretty crazy. There's a lot of cool stuff going on, and I'm still digging into the themes of what it all means. I'm really happy that a director like Gaspar Noe exists. Uh, mm. Whether or not you find his subject matter um, repulsive, uh, <laughs> That's or, up to you. or or hard to watch at the very least, um, it's still undeniable that he's a progressive artist who's pushing the boundaries of what film can do. And I really have liked the two of his films that I've seen so far. So excited to tackle more of his work in the future. Awesome. Or yeah. maybe not. I don't know. And that is the end of our show. What are we discussing next week, bro? Next week's episode is the moment we've all been waiting for. The next list episode. Following Sue with the last three months, we each pick eight films from the 80s to share with each other and with you, the listener. If you want to participate in this episode, we encourage your feedback. Um, reply to our email at podcast at gmail.com. If you send in your eight favorite films from the 1980s, we will bring them up at the end of next week's show. It's a challenge for all you out there. And if you want to go back in time and listen to our earlier episodes, those can all be found at brohaveyouseen.captivate.fm or downloaded from Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you liked this show, let us know. Also, you can rate our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Every good rating and review helps us out immensely, so please do it now. Each new episode is posted at 6 a.m. on Mondays, Mountain Standard Time. If you want to see what else is entertaining me, check out my letterbox at Barn Clark. And I'm at Everett Clark 236. See you next week. Bye. Bye.